you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Back in the early 1980s, a strange little musical group named Missing Persons had a pretty cool hit song called Words. It was easy to sing along with and still get stuck in my head from time to time, especially the chorus. The opening words of the song go like this. Do you hear me? Do you care? Do you hear me? Do you care? Then after a stanza comes the sort of haunting refrain. What are words for when no one listens anymore? What are words for when no one listens? What are words for when no one listens? It's no use talking anymore. Do you ever feel like that? That no one is listening to you? That no one really cares? I think this is a universal heartache we can experience at different points in our lives. It seems worthless to talk because no one is really listening anymore. But I have a feeling that this problem is far worse today than it has ever been, even though we have better communication technology than ever in world history. Sure, we can reach people easier than ever before, but I do think we actually talk and listen less than at other points in history. This raises yet another question. Does it really matter to us? Is it a loss to us or is it no big deal? If the average couple talks a whole lot less than they did in past generations, is that really a problem? If we have replaced words with emojis, is that anything to be concerned about? Believe me, sometimes I get exhausted from having to talk and listen so much. No offense to my wife and children or to my friends or counselees. It could be a whole lot easier to respond with a text or email than pick up the phone and actually use it to have a conversation. Well, I honestly hope you are rightly concerned that we need to be talking to each other more. The song lyrics are right. Talking and listening are so connected to caring for one another. And hopefully you also know how the spoken word cannot be permanently substituted for in a healthy relationship. We are designed for conversation, for talking and listening. We need to talk to each other and be heard by one another. Talking and listening is meant to be a God-centered activity. It is God's word that trains us how to communicate rightly. We must resist a culture that seeks to disconnect us from one another. Now, don't get me wrong, our technology is great, but we must all be on guard to not use it to avoid talking and listening to each other well. So on that note, it's time to plunge into another topic in our series on biblical communication, on communication problems, looking into the problems of overtalk and undertalk. We need to dig down deep and learn how God's Word addresses these opposite but related problems. Think about yourself for a moment. Do you consider yourself to be a talker or more of a strong, silent type? 
Do you run your mouth too much or kick yourself for not speaking up enough? Maybe you are just the right kind of talker, not over-talking or under-talking. But the reality is that we all struggle with the use of our tongue or the lack of the use of our tongue. As we'll see, the Bible has a lot to say about these routine communication problems, these bad habits of speaking. So let's dive in first to a familiar place, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verse 11. That reads, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. This is one of those big picture Proverbs that states a broad biblical principle. Our words are very important. God has created us to speak, so we must speak, especially we who are God's people. According to this verse, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Now think about that analogy for a minute. To a thirsty person, a fountain is a welcome sight. A fountain infers a steady, steady flow of water. So the words of the righteous are to be steady and they give life to others. We all need life, but a dying world literally thirsting to death, non-Christians, they need the righteous to speak words of life to them. And as the proverb says, the words of the wicked only bring death. So God calls upon us to speak. Next, there's Proverbs 10, verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the lack of sense. So you caught this, right? This proverb changes up the analogy from words that quench a person's thirst to food for the hungry. How do the lips of the righteous feed many? Have you ever thought about how your words feed other people? I want you to think of these two proverbs under the heading of the problem of undertalk. Sometimes Christians just don't talk enough. They don't use their words to feed people who need the truth. According to the second proverb, fools die for the lack of sense. Where are they going to get that sense other than from Christians who teach them the truth? Certainly, they need the Holy Spirit to gain wisdom, but the Spirit uses our words to change minds and hearts. The world constantly is working to quench the words of the Christian, to keep Christians from speaking too much, from promoting the truth. And then sometimes we are just too scared to talk as Christians. Now, to put it into the family arena, if you are a Christian parent, you must be talking to your children a lot. And I don't just mean lecturing them. You need to be always speaking the truth, talking to them about everything in life. And that goes for our marriages as well. We need to keep feeding one another with the truth. Well, here's another proverb in the same chapter, verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. Same thing, right? The mouths of Christians are supposed to be speaking wisdom. So when we are under-talking, we are missing opportunities to share wisdom with others. And this world needs some serious wisdom so badly today. But this begs a question. Why do many Christians not say wise things to other people? Why do we not open our mouths at appropriate times? 
Or why are we tempted to spout out some foolishness instead? This is why we need the Holy Spirit to speak through us. We need our words to be driven by the Word of God. Well, let's consider another proverb, Proverbs 12, verse 18. It reads, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Rash words are those spoken without any thought behind them, typically out of anger or anxiety. Both under-talkers and over-talkers can use rash words. Well, this proverb describes the effects of rash words so well. They are like sword thrusts. Hopefully, you've never been a victim of a sword thrust, but you can imagine the level of pain it inflicts and damage to the body over and over again. Rash words bring pain and damage to a relationship, to another person. But again, I want to focus our minds on the problem of under-talking. To me, that is addressed in the second part of the proverb, which read, But the tongue of the wise brings healing. While rash words destroy, wise words heal. But that means that we actually have to talk. We have to say those wise words, not just think them. In other words, we can be the source of great healing for others and ourselves when by God's grace we speak words of wisdom to others. Foolish people speak rash words all the time. As Christians, we need to speak up more and more. We are the people who have the wisdom of Christ. We must share those healing words with others. Again, when Christians are silent, the truth doesn't reach the ears of those who need it the most the people dead in their sins. Now let's read another proverb from a chapter that describes a godly wife. Proverbs 31, verse 26 reads, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So one of the qualities of an excellent godly wife is that she speaks wisdom as well as teaches kindness. What a great combination for our communication, kind, wisdom. But what I want us not to miss is that she actually has to open her mouth. She has to talk. She needs to use words, not just have kind actions. She opens her mouth and she teaches, which requires many words. So a wife who is silent from either being afraid or being anxious or something else is missing a great opportunity to share wisdom with others. This doesn't mean that a wife has to talk all the time, but it does address the temptation to not talk enough or avoid important conversations. Husbands, I hope you know how much you need your wife to talk to you, to share her wisdom with you. And wives, please don't hold your tongue when you have wisdom and kindness to teach and to share. Well, let's go on to the New Testament now. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 and 18. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, I have to say, I've always found this passage to be fascinating. 
The Apostle Paul is talking about what will happen when Christ returns for his people. It is amazing to think about the day that we meet Christ in the air and then will be with the Lord forever. But the part I have found most interesting is verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I have to ask myself, do I do that as a Christian? I can't remember the last time someone encouraged me when I'm struggling by talking to me about Jesus coming back again. Sometimes we lament about life and blurt out that we can't wait for Jesus to return. But do we know that it gives us great courage to live the Christian life when we focus on eternity, about being together with the Lord forever? This also addresses the problem of undertalking. We are to spend time talking to one another as Christians about eternal things, about King Jesus returning. So here's my big point about undertalk. Oftentimes we are undertalking about the important things of life. Let me say it one more time. Oftentimes we are undertalking about the important things of life. We don't have a problem making small talk, making chit chat, but we undertalk about the essentials. Is this a problem for you? Well, we all need to be more intentional to speak about things worthy of our conversations. Not just about what we watched on TV last night or our winning or losing sports team or even what's happening in the world today. Talk about Christ's eternal reign and his coming to take us home with him. Okay, one last verse about undertalking. Back to Proverbs 15, 23. It reads, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season how good it is. Good words spoken to another are beautiful things. Our words can bring great joy to others. When we undertalk, we miss opportunities to say wonderful things, to give great answers, to speak a word in season. So as we end this section, evaluate how important it is for you to use your words to speak wisdom and grace to others. And think about what is keeping you stuck as an undertalker. Maybe it is fatigue or fear or insecurity. It may even be simple busyness or selfishness. In our world of technological distractions, it may be that you aren't focused on speaking, but simply focused on being entertained. God calls his people to speak up. Now let's move on to the subject of talking too much, of over-talking. God's Word teaches us that there must be a limit to our talking and a limit to what we talk about. So once again, we go back to the book of Proverbs to read Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Don't we all know this truth intuitively? I certainly do. When we talk too much, we increase the possibility of sinning with our tongues. We can say something we didn't mean to say or need to say. We can end up in gossip or even worse, even into slander. We can simply wear someone out with our words. 
So even though we're called to speak, we have to be prudent about how much to speak. Growing in maturity is learning when to restrain our lips. It is always good to remind ourselves that transgression is right around the corner when we are running our mouths. Here's another proverb, Proverbs 11, verse 12. It reads, Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Overtalking can lead us into words that belittle. Just think about that word belittle. It is such a wonderfully descriptive word. It is using our words to make another person small while also making ourselves bigger at the same time. Christians are not to be in the business of making others feel small. I know it's so tempting when someone is proud and arrogant. We love putting people in their place at times. Well, this is actually a time to be silent, according to God's word, to resist words that only belittle, that don't build up or offer grace to a person. Believe me, I can be a master of belittling others when I should be silent, thinking about what words need to be said that will actually help my child or my wife or a friend or anyone. These are times when the wise person will avoid overtalking. Now let's check out another proverb, Proverbs 12, verse 23. That reads, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Now this is an interesting word of wisdom. There are times when it is wise to conceal knowledge, to actually hide knowledge from certain people for a certain time. But wait a minute. Isn't our goal to share wisdom and knowledge with as many people as possible? Isn't that what we just learned in our section on undertalking? Well, yes, but there is an essential limit that helps us to be wise about when to speak and in what situations to speak. Let's spend a moment making this practical. We'll start with marriage. Are there times when it is wise to not share something you are thinking about or even happen to you with your spouse? Now, we have to be careful here. It is always wrong to conceal knowledge for manipulative or deceitful reasons. But if you're looking for a better time or you need to get all the information before you share with your spouse, this can be a very wise and prudent thing. The same goes for working relationships or church relationships. There's a time to share and there's a time to conceal. Keeping confidences of another, for example, is a time to conceal knowledge. I know that we don't like not knowing secretive things. But this proverb also teaches us that foolish people simply show their folly as they overshare and overtalk. It is good to conceal knowledge, especially if you know the impact it will have on another. And it isn't good. Again, I want to balance this by saying that we must be careful to not be overprotective or to just be about protecting ourselves. The principle here is that we are to share knowledge with others, but be wise and prudent with when and how and who. Context is a very important thing. And now we need another word of wisdom from the Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 27 to 28, which reads, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, 
and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Let's talk a bit about what tempts us to talk too much. Yes, some people just have an outgoing, extroverted personality which lends itself to overtalking. But there are also sinful reasons we can talk way too much. Sometimes we talk too much when we are fearful or anxious. That's a pretty normal time to overtalk. But this is a time we need to learn how to have a cool spirit and not fret about things we cannot control. Other times, our anger overflows into too many words. We vent our anger and verbally assault another. In these times, we must learn self-control of our tongues when we're angry. Often we can overtalk out of our pride, maybe trying to show off our intelligence. So we talk and talk and talk to build ourselves up. Interestingly, the proverb I just read reminds us that we actually look wiser in the eyes of others when we hold our tongues, not talking so much. We can be wise in our silence, just like we can be wise in our words. Even a fool is thought of being intelligent when he closes his mouth. Also, when we are in a difficult conversation, we can be tempted to overtalk instead of be quick to listen. That's why a man of understanding also has a cool spirit. Well, let's go back to Proverbs 10, verses 8 through 10, that reads, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks secretly, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Now, would you like to be called a babbling fool? I wouldn't. I think of the picture of a babbling brook, a stream that is constantly moving and making noise. If you're on a hike in the woods, you can often hear a babbling brook for miles. What happens to a babbling fool, a person who just talks and talks and talks? Well, according to this proverb, he comes to ruin. And this is sort of obvious, isn't it? Overtalking does not end well for us. And if you get the reputation of being a babbling fool, no one will want to be around you. So, again, know when to limit your talking. Well, just one more proverb for this section. Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips. Well, I have to say this is another wise saying that is very convicting for me. Sometimes we over-talk in an effort to praise ourselves. Sometimes we just don't think we're getting the recognition we deserve, so we give it to ourselves. It's sort of like Michael Scott in the office who has a mug on his desk that says, World's Best Boss. He displays it front and center. Well, we find out many episodes into this series that he actually bought the mug himself for himself. As I said, this is convicting for me, especially in my marriage. If I don't feel like Marty is praising me enough for all the great things I have done around the house or in life, I will point them out for her. She lovingly reminds me of this verse, encouraging me to let her praise me. 
According to this verse, it's even nicer when a stranger praises you. Again, we can over-talk simply because we are looking for a compliment. Okay, let's apply a couple more passages to the twin communication problems of under-talking and over-talking. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we have said, there are many reasons why we either under-talk or over-talk. In the end, it can just be that we have learned a bad communication habit. This verse helps us to remember the focus of all of our talking. This should always be our prayer. We should want all our words to be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. So instead of just wanting people to be pleased with what we say, we must be all about the glory of God. Only with the Spirit's help will our words be acceptable to a perfectly holy and loving God. Now let's end in Psalm 141. 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Whether you are more tempted to under-talk or over-talk, you need the Lord's help to guard your mouth. Imagine your lips as having a gate across them with a sentry posted. That sentry is in charge of not only what comes into your mouth, but more importantly, what comes out of your mouth. Or maybe he needs to be more like a bouncer, strong enough to push those words back down your throat. The Holy Spirit is to be that security guard, keeping watch over the door of your lips. Pray and ask God to keep the flow of your words in a manner that is pleasing to Him, speaking when you should, and keeping quiet when you should as well. Then all praise will go to the only one who can tame our tongues. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.